Well, it won't be long. It'll be high school graduations and churches. Our church and my former church, First Baptist Spartanburg, where I was on staff. All the high school's uh, seniors graduate and they choose a life verse. And you usually can tell kids that haven't been in church, you know, they only come because there's a free gift, there's a free lunch, and uh, they might get a Bible. And so they'll come because they want to be a part of something, and they'll join in. So many uh, children, have you ever heard the seniors, most uh, the, their Bible verse for the year? Or for their life? Anybody know one that they put out there? What's one that's really famous that everyone likes to use? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is true. It's a promise from God, I believe. But there's also another one. They, they love the young prophet Jeremiah, right? The weaving prophet. And they'll quote Jeremiah 29, 11, or have it put up there for them on the screen. And they'll say, uh, this is Clint Smith. His life verse is, he's going to this university. And it will say this, can we pull up, can y'all pull up Jeremiah 29, 11 and look in your Bible if you would. And it's a great word of God that God gave to the prophet Jeremiah. But when you claim it for a life verse, just like you just saying that you would follow Christ, you just, if you sang that, you just made a commitment to him. Just want FYI. You made a vow to Jesus Christ this morning to follow him. Wherever he leads, I might go. That's how we should sing it as Americans, right? If it's comfortable, I'll go. If it's, if it's something that's convenient, I'll go. The whole world's that way, really. You go somewhere and you find out the, the, how the church is being very much uh, lazy in these last days. But read Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's read this together, and I'll read it from the Scripture. And if it pops up on the screen, okay. If it doesn't, it was just something I just thought of whenever we were singing that because I mentioned it in the notes. Word of the Lord, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And many young people quote that, and they want to be just like the prophet Jeremiah, not realizing that later in life, church historians tell us that Jeremiah was stoned to death in Egypt for the, the name of Jesus, for the name of God, not for the, Jesus Christ. He wasn't yet there. He was, this is before Christ came to this earth. How many of us look forward to our death, specifically a martyred death, something that you were just doing what God said to do, and you... You were killed. Does anyone ever think past that? And I think most young men or young ladies who would use that passage of Scripture says, I want the good stuff, right? Look, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. What thoughts does God think toward you? And I want to tell you his thoughts are, he created you in his image to bring him glory. And through your life, you must bring him glory. Otherwise, you'll live a selfish, self-centered life. You must live a God-centered life. And as we close out the book of John today, John's going to record a word that Jesus gives to Peter, but also he's going to sum up the whole book that he wrote, and then he's going to tell us a, a word that would bring glory to God. So can we go to your notes for a second before we go to the word? Because typically I go to the word first. And if I read a passage of Scripture, please always go back and read before and after that. Therefore, you can have all of it in context. So go to your notes there and let me show you this. And let's see if you believe this. God's love is unconditional. It is unconditionally love. God loves us unconditionally. Do you, do you agree with that or not? Without, without strings attached, God loves you. Matter of fact, 1 John says God is love. So he can't help but be himself. He can't reverse on love, he can't change and say, if you hold these uh, sins in your life, I won't love you. He's going to love you. Even if we think about hell that was created for the devil and his angels is an act of love of a holy God. You say, well, how is that? And the answer is, I don't fully understand it because I don't fully understand my mic either. So let's, I'll go to hand him. I don't fully understand what, what God means by that as well. 
Uh, why hell? Because hell was created for evil, for the devil and his angels, Jesus said himself. But when we look at the whole totality of life, we say, well, God, let this happen in my life. We know that we're all praying for certain people in our church going, Lord, why did you let that happen in her life? Why did you let that happen in his life? And the answer is, short answer is for the glory of God. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and everything that happens because of sin is because of them. We can't outrun the sin. You can't just say, God, stop the sin. The only way to stop the sin is he died on the cross for your sins and for mine. He said, everyone who called on his name shall be what? Saved, saved from their judgment, saved from sin. You will be saved. The Bible is very clear. Well, I want you to see this. Jesus was so motivated by love that he gave himself a ransom for us on the cross. You ever think about that? God of creation came to this earth to die on a cross for you and for me. Now, you know what you've done in your life. You know what you've thought. You know what you've acted upon. You know the sins that you've done and that I've done. And we know that we're, we would all fall under this banner of unworthy, right? And when somebody says, well, sin is evil, you go, well, I don't know that I was evil. I was just a bad kid or a bad person, right? We like to use bad because it softens the blow. Let's say it together. Sin, say it with me, sin is evil. So if it's evil, it's against God. So I want you to understand that every time that you sin, you're doing evil against God. If he says don't and you do, or he says you do and you don't, that is sinning against God. Therefore, you're acting like the prince of this air, who is Satan. So sin is evil. It's not just a little white lie. It's not just an excuse. It's not just something we cover up. Sin is evil. And if we can get that mindset that, listen, God says sin is evil. Therefore, I'm going to judge my only begotten son for your sins around the world. Everyone who would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved from the punishment because a just, loving God is going to punish sin. When he says don't and you do, he's going to bring about correction. And when he says do and you don't, he's going to bring about correction. The Bible even tells us, hey, you earthly fathers, you discipline your own children. How much greater your heavenly father in heaven? Isn't that amazing to think about that he thinks the way we think? And we think, obviously we can't think the way he thinks because he made us. He knows how our brains work. He knows how we want to have compassion. He knows how we want to give charity just a little bit to those we choose to give charity to. But here in the Word of God, Jesus was so motivated by love that he gave himself a ransom for us on the cross. He's speaking to Peter as a resurrected Savior. He's not speaking to Peter before the cross. This is after the cross, after he's come back from the dead, and now he's appearing to them and saying, Peter, I'm going to tell you a story. I want you to look at this. Jesus spoke into Peter's life and gave him hope where he had none. Peter had given up. Peter had quit. Peter had come to the place that he's going back fishing. If you we, if we were here last week, he put all his tackle back in the box, the nets, and let's go. Because I'm going back to the way it was before I met Jesus. He met me at the Sea of Galilee when I was fishing. I, I traveled with him for three years. I gave him the best three years of my life. And now he's died. He's resurrected. Yeah, I've seen him. I just don't know what the future is. I don't know what I'm, how am I going to get paid. I mean, how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to pay my mortgage? I'm going fishing. And it was a lack of faith because if you look where the disciples were supposed to be headed to, it was to the mountain. They were told to go to the mountain to meet with Jesus. I'll meet you there. But instead of going to the mountain, Peter took some of the boys and went to the sea. And it's even referenced there in 21, the Sea of Tiberias, which is a Roman name, which tells us that even John and Jesus calls him Simon because Peter had gone back into his old ways. We call it shadow behavior. Anytime you get into sin, you'll get into the shadow version of you. You know what that means? 
You're actually the dark side of you because you all have one. Did you know that? And the shadow looks like you. The shadow will mimic what you do, but the shadow is not who you are. There's, look under your pew. As a matter of fact, look at, look at the shadows in front of you. There's shadows everywhere under the seats. There's shadows whenever you, your body is being cast. If light's hidden from behind you, there's a shadow in front of you, behind you, everywhere around you. There's shadows. Darkness is always there, but the light pushes the shadows away. And when the light of the world, Jesus Christ, comes into your life, you become the light of the world, and therefore you don't want to walk any longer in that shadow behavior. Did y'all see that guy over there? He's in the shadows. There's, there's, two, there's two shadows of me up here because of the way the light's hit. I don't want to walk in the old B.C. before Christ ways. Jesus has changed my life. And listen, Jesus had spoken to Peter's life. Peter, I told you to go fishing for people. And now you're back in there fishing for fish. I was sitting at the beach. That's why I look like a lobster because somebody told me that to help my blood sugar, I need to get some more vitamin D. Well, I bought some vitamin D and read the back of it. It says vitamin D will mess with your uh, statins or whatever you take for heart. Because y'all know I, I, I talked about the heart attack I had in October, so I couldn't take the vitamin D. Somebody says, Pastor, you need to go sit in the sun 10 to 15 minutes a day. Well, it was cold at the beach yesterday, and my wife taught me to go into the beach. I went and turned my chair towards the beach and said, I'm just going to get some sun on my face. And instead of just a little bit, I covered up and I fell asleep. And this is what the end result was of me going to, that's why I don't go to the beach. But I followed someone's advice. I, I did what they, they said to do, and I'm sure my vitamin D count's way high, just like my face is red this morning. But Peter, here he is going back to the sea, going back to the way that things used to be because for all practical purposes, Peter had given up on Jesus. Now, he knew he was supposed to be out there, but there's also, I want you to see as we read the scripture, there's something else happening besides just Peter making a bad decision to go back into sin. There's a spiritual warfare that's happening in Peter's life and all the disciples' life. They're struggling because they want to do what's right. Remember, Peter stood up before and said, I will go to my death for you, Jesus. I will follow you. Like we just sang, y'all just made that same commitment. Did you know that? Y'all just stood here in front of everybody and said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No, no one go with me. And part of my mindset is, there's a whole bunch of people that lied this morning and sang that song. Because we asked y'all to do some stuff at church. Y'all be like, I, I preach I love to, but I just, I do, I'm so busy, right? If the Lord leads us to have a church collectively like this, then the Lord leads us to do his work here. And we go out there and do it as well. We go to the world. But how much work can we possibly get done out there if you won't lift a finger to do a work for the Lord in here? Did, did everybody hear me there? Because it got quiet because it's true. You can just come and be in a tender and sit soaking sour and go out. And what good is a sour rag or a sour sponge? Good for nothing but to be thrown out. Jesus himself even said, what good is salt if it's lost its saltiness? It's good for nothing to be thrown underfoot, to walk on. It's useless for the kingdom of God. You, if you're not busy, if you're not a member of a local church, and you might be a guest with us today, we're glad that you're here or watching by Facebook or YouTube. But if you're not being used by God in a local congregation, something's wrong with you. It should have been a big amen right there. Because what happens is we fall under conviction saying, hey, stop messing, stop meddling. I'm not meddling. I'm just saying what the word of God says. Stop sitting, soaking, and souring because you're of no good. We all see it. Everyone in your family sees it. You've got to get busy for the kingdom of God because the king is coming. And we've lost the mindset that, listen, revival starts in me. A lot of people are packing up. It's on social media. Everybody's going to Kentucky, going to Asbury to see, is the revival real? Is it breaking out up there? And there's a lot of people jumping and shouting and singing. I haven't been, don't know. 
But here's, I want you to tell you, I hope it is. But revival starts right here in Aiken, South Carolina at my zip code. It starts in my heart is where it starts. I don't have to drive to Kentucky to get revival. It starts here if I ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life and help me to be obedient to him. Revival starts in my house, in the house of God. Amen? It's not a matter of what somebody else is doing because it's all over social media if you've seen it. And so, and so many people ask me, will you speak about it? And I told the prayer group this morning, I'm not sure I'm going to speak about it, but it's, it lines up with our heart today. Good for them if that's the act of God. But be careful as well because the devil can mimic a lot of religious activity. He can get you excited. He can get you shouting and singing and screaming. But you've got to come through. Is it based on the Word of God? Does the Word of God actually flow through me? That's our authoritative source left here on earth. Well, look, much like the prophet Jeremiah, God gave Peter a great assignment and a great future. He's going to give Peter a future. But if you remember last week, he told Peter, hey, you've got a great future. You're going to be a fisher of men. You're going to follow me. But you're also going to die by crucifixion. How would you like to know how you're going to die? Anybody in the room want to know how they're going to die? How would you like to know that in the future you will be nailed to a cross and you'll be hung potentially upside down? That's what church tradition tells us, that Peter said he wasn't worthy to be hung like his Savior, so he was crucified upside down. We don't have that in the Bible. We just have it as church history. So anybody in here this morning want to be a Jeremiah saying, I know the plans I have for you, Lord, plans to prosper you in all the good places. Lord, give me the good stuff. I'll take that, Lord. But anybody want to die by stoning to death because you preached God and he alone preached Jesus today? Anybody ready to be stoned to death? Anybody ready to be crucified like Peter today? Yet they were faithful to the end. These men knew their destination. They knew what was going to happen, that they were going to die a martyr. And yet here they are saying, Lord, I'll follow you to the end. Because remember, Peter did it in his flesh. What did he say? Lord, I'll follow you to the end. I don't care if all these boys, if they deny you, I'll be right there with you. Remember he cut off the, the guard's ear? He was, he was bound to determine he's going to show God, show Jesus that he's with you. I'm with you. I'm part of your team. No matter what, I'm going. Unconditionally, I'm going in. And if we're not careful, that's what we'll sing at church, and that's what we'll say at church. And when we get up there Monday through Saturday, it gets so hard, we go, God, I would, and we start feeling that guilt, and we feel the shame, and the devil says, you're worth nothing. Just get away from those people because you know you're not like those people. Back out. Get away from them. You don't even show up to church. A bunch of hypocrites at church. Are there a bunch of hypocrites at church? Church, look around. Everybody to look left and right. Hypocrite city. We could name the church, right? Welcome to Hypocrite Baptist Church. Because, listen, we all are hypocritical in some way. We say we'll do one thing, and sometimes we do the other. That's called sin. But the Bible's clear. Listen, God is an unconditionally loving, forgiving God. I want you to look and see. This is called failed, forgiven, focused to follow. And I was trying to put the future in there somehow, but I couldn't get it all in there. And, and Derek says, I don't know where I'm going next. I got three books. I'm either in Hebrews, I'm in Joel, or I'm in Revelation. So pray for me because I don't know where. I, Lord, I've got, I got sermons ready for all of them, but I don't know where I'm going. So I'm praying, Lord, help me. And, and it's only a week. We have next week and the week after. We have two weeks and... You Bible study teachers that teach for me, God bless you. Thank you for being patient with this preacher who sometimes has a, I'm a little ADHD sometimes going, Lord, which way do we go? Because I want, my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. How, how dare we just pick up a sermon series and throw something out there, motivation, motivating you to love, motivating you to serve, if the word of God doesn't speak to it. We can't make it up a topic and then come and say, let's add a scripture to the topic. We take the word of God. That's why we preach verse by verse of the book of John because, listen, have you been spoken to in the last, how long has it been, year and a half we've been in the book of John? 
I even thought about the Psalms. I went, Lord, there's 150 chapters in there. Do the math. How many Sundays is that? That's three plus years that we would go through if we went through the book of Psalms. And Psalm 119 is loaded by itself. So it would take us five years to get out of the book of Psalms. There's not enough time. I told you when I called answered call the ministry, I'm like, Lord, there's only 66 books in the Bible. How, how will I have material to preach? I mean, I'm going to run out in a few years. Now I'm never going to get through it. I'm, I'm like, Lord, I'm never going to get to the end. I'm going to die before I finish preaching your word, the whole counsel of God. Let's read together if we would, because the word of God's clear, and God wants to speak to us today. So read before and after this, or actually there's no after. We'll finish in the after, but read before. Here we are, the last chapter of the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 21. We'll pick up in verse 19. Excuse me, verse 20. And then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following who had also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? This is when he's, Peter's actually recounting, and John's recounting the Lord's Supper. So he's looking back a couple chapters. He's looking back to chapter 18 when John laid on Jesus' chest, or he reclined next to him and said, who's going to betray you? And Jesus said, it's the one who dips his bread in the cup with me. So that reference is, if you don't read it carefully, you'll go, what? What is it? I don't know what it's saying. It's saying, John saying, I'm telling you, I was there. And we, most scholars believe this is John writing about himself. Well, so Peter asked, Peter seeing him, verse 21, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? He's talking about John. Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? Verse 24, this is John's, he's John's finishing it. He's putting the whipped cream. This is the last thing he has to say to us in the gospel. So the last thing a certain person says before they die or before they close out a letter is usually one of the most important things. And look what he says because he wants us to get a kingdom vision of who, who Jesus is. This is the disciple who testifies of thing, these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. There are also many other things that Jesus did which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the whole world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And he finishes it with, amen, or yes, yes, this is true, or believe, believe. And so we have a faith issue today that will we believe what John is saying? Do we believe this is the word of God? We have to believe that the whole counsel of God is God's word. From Genesis to Revelation, I believe it's God's word. We've got to be careful sometimes. We say, listen, yes, it's all God's Word, and then turn back around and not read God's Word. How would you know if I was reading from the Book of Mormon or from the Bible today if you didn't open up your Word or if it wasn't up on the screen? When I was younger and dumber, and I was younger and dumber, I've grown a little bit wiser, a little bit. I was at a church, at a small Baptist church in town, and they asked me to do a Bible study. And I was like, no, I'm not qualified. They're like, yeah, you can do a Bible study. And I got frustrated because I grew up in church where church was church you have a good singing time and you have a good preaching time and you scream and holler and go home and then that was the end of it but there was no change I love Jesus I thought he was pretty cool because he spit he, he healed people I mean when I was a boy I, I loved Jesus but didn't like church people some of that hadn't changed y'all just for the record I'm not perfect but some of us get under each other's skin don't we we love you and we say I love you in the Lord you ever said that to somebody I love my sister. I love my sister in the Lord. It, because some of us, our personalities clash and we're together like oil and water sometimes. We don't get along, but 
We want to be unified because Jesus said to love God, love others as you love yourself. Why are y'all looking so pious at me like this morning? Like you don't have that same emotion sometimes. You, I'm going to put you together if I, if, I, if I see you looking at me like that again. I'm gonna, I know some people that don't like some people, and I'm going to come and have them hold your hand or something this morning. It'll show up then, won't it? You'll turn the same color red as me. But the reality is we're not perfect. We're not there. We're maturing. Saying, Lord, change me. Make me more and more like Jesus. I want to be just like Jesus when I get to the end. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that? You're not going to hear it if you're not good and if you're not faithful. Can I tell you that today? Jesus isn't going to lie to you in heaven going, if you make it there. He's not going to say, good job. I'm so proud of you. He's going to say, good job. I love you because when he sees you, he sees his son because the blood covers you. That's how you get into heaven, not on your own merits. But he's not going to tell you a good job if you haven't done a good job. And guess where you do a good job? Here on earth. You don't do the good job in heaven. Everybody's going to be perfect there. Everyone's going to do a good job that makes it to heaven. The good job is here and now. This is where we have a chance to do the good job. This is the chance we have to be faithful. He said, well, Pastor, I'm so busy. Who gave you the job? Who gave you the opportunity to be in college? Who gave you the career, the military, whatever you're doing, who gave you that opportunity? Say it with me. Who gave it to you? The Lord Jesus Christ did. Look at your hands. If you would just look, just look how beautiful your hands are. And look at the eyes and your feet. Listen, who made you in that way? The Lord says he made us. Let us make man in our image, in the image of God. He made male and female. In the image of God, he made them. For what purpose? To sit soaking sour, to eat good food, to travel the world and say, oh, it's so beautiful. I vacationed in Europe. I've been to Asia. I've been all in the continent of Africa. I've been around the world. It's a beautiful world the Lord has made. And you've not done one single thing for the Lord. Listen, don't think that he's going to say good and faithful servant when you get to heaven. You're fooling yourself. You're lying to yourself just like you're lying to the Lord. Amen? Church, listen, this is heavy for me to say because I've been there, done that. You can be so religious that you're good for nothing, that you're lost. There's lost people sitting in every church in America. They think they're saved because I said something, I did something at Vacation Bible School, I was baptized, somebody dipped me, somebody sprinkled me, somebody did something to me and said I was good with God. If your heart condemns you, if you know in your heart, if you ask, Lord, am I truly saved? And he doesn't answer you to the affirmative. Through the word of God, don't hear that little voice. Don't wait to hear a voice because, listen, how many of y'all have ever heard a voice that was an inappropriate voice, that quiet in your mind? Anybody? Raise your hand if you've ever heard a voice that you knew it wasn't from God. Anybody? You're worth nothing. Go kill yourself. Jump off the nearest tree. All the things that are negative in life where Satan rules, that's what he'll speak into your life. Children hear voices. Children hear voices, and they're like not audible voices like mine necessarily, but they hear voices that tell them to do the wrong thing, to think the wrong thing. Adults do the same thing. What do we call people that hear voices? If they said, if I told you I hear voices, you'd say what? I'm what? I'm crazy. And I am but not that way, not clinically, right? But the Lord made me how I am. Listen, and listen, Satan always tells you you're less than. He will never bring unity to your life. Never a spirit's going to speak for Jesus and then speak against him. Evil spirits always speak against the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't ever, somebody says, well, I think you have an evil spirit. If they praise God on Sunday and curse him on Sunday night, it's just a lost person's what they are. Unless you got something wrong with your mind, because when you got people that we visit a lot, people with dementia, they can praise the Lord their whole life, be a solid Christian, 
and those sinful ways will come out when they get older. We've seen it personally. That's just the mind being broken. That's from sin, years of, of sin that's in us that breaks us. But somebody who's willfully walking in this place singing, how great is our God and all that are enough, and we're singing all the songs and then walking to their curse on the Lord, that's a willful disrespect for the Lord. And listen, I think you'll be held accountable. The Bible says for every word that you speak, just like Jesus confronted Peter, Jesus is going to confront you. Jesus is going to confront me. That's why the Bible says take every thought captive, watch what you say, don't speak lies. The Bible's clear about all the things that we do. God says don't. Look at your notes. Let's get through these really quick. I told you they were both martyred according to the scripture and according to church history, Peter and Jeremiah. But I want you to look at the failure. Peter was weak in his flesh and he struggled through spiritual warfare. Luke twenty two thirty one. Jesus told Peter, Peter, Satan seeks to sift you like wheat. You know what that means? They would take wheat and they would put it up, wheat with the husk, and they would throw it up in these bins and they would throw it up in the air. The heavier wheat would fall back into the bin, the, almost like a we would think of a hog wire or chicken wire today that's crossed up, and they would sift through, and it would catch the wheat, and the chaff would blow away. It would blow out in the wind. So you do it on a windy day on a hillside usually where the wind would pick up. And every time you throw it up, the wheat would fall down, and the chaff would blow away. It was really vigorous for the wheat. The Bible's very clear. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, matter of fact, let's, let's look at it if we would together. Luke, let's look at it, Luke, Luke chapter 22. Luke 22 and verse 31. I don't like to look at the screen because I'm not sure which one of my eyes I, I finished first up there. Luke 22, verse 31. When you're there, say amen. If you mark in your Bibles, I would mark this because, listen, you're subject to the same temptation and the same desire of Satan. Satan wants to destroy you every single day of your life. Now, i got to tell you some bad news. You're not important enough for Satan to come knocking at your door. You're not praying enough. You're not preaching enough. You're not singing enough. He's going to send a messenger. He'll send one of his, his demons, one of his minions, one of the fallen angels come and knock on your door. Or he'll just tempt you clearly by your own mind because we're led astray by our own thoughts sometimes. But here's what Satan says. This is what Jesus says about Satan. Luke twenty two thirty one. Are you there? Say amen. Let's read it together. Watch this. Let's follow. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. For he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. This is before the cross. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day, for you will deny three times that you know me. Not that you love me, not that you're my disciple, that you even know me. And you go back and look at the other scriptures. How many times have we stood in a revival service? We stood at an altar, Lord, wherever you lead. Or maybe this morning when we sang, aren't you mad at Kristen now that she led you in that song? And the praise team and the instrumentalists, they led you, they set you up either for success or they set you up for straight-up failure today. We even sing an a cappella, so you can't say, Lord, the piano was in my way, or the drummer was offbeat, the, the guitar was in my ear. I don't know what it was, but I, I didn't know what I was saying. The Bible says, be careful for every vow that you speak and sing. God's going to hold you accountable. So you got set up this morning when you came to church. Sorry, I didn't do it. She playing the music, all right? But you said, wherever he leads, you'll do what? Say it with me. Wherever he leads... I'll go. 
That's what you promised today in the church. Now, and then Mr. Derek before that said, there's over a couple hundred assignments for the church for work to do. Is your name checked off on one of those assignments? Do you have your name beside this town? You go, oh, yeah. If somebody says, hey, what are you doing at church? What do you do at Town Creek? And you go, oh, yeah, I, I do, uh, I do, uh, I do, uh, I don't do nothing. Well, guess what you're going to get valued for in heaven? Doing nothing for the kingdom of God. You say, well, Pastor, that's not fair. It makes me feel bad. Good. If I can do anything to spur you on forward, right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's God's grace giving you the grace to believe, and it's by faith. I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You don't have salvation because that you can brag about your salvation. You go into verse 10. He says, listen, I gave you this. You are the workmanship or the craftsmanship or the perfection of God. And he's given you work to do that he has preordained for you to do. God had a work order before you even were formed in your mother's womb. God had a job for you to do when you're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. At what age does a Christian retire from doing the work of the kingdom? At what age, church? He or she never retires. Never retires from the work of the Lord. You might say, well, I'm in a wheelchair and I can't do much. Or I'm limited by, I'm bedridden at home. You can pray to the Lord. How many of us would love to have a prayer warrior who's dedicated to praying for you specifically 24 hours a day or whenever they can't sleep or can't get comfortable? Anybody want a prayer warrior like that? You're a fool if you don't. I do. Pray for me. If you're limited by I can't be mobile, then I can pray. And when you pray, what is anything God can do, prayer can do, anything prayer can do, God can do for sure. You can move heaven and earth to pray in Jesus' name for his will to be done in people's lives. Let's continue to look. So Peter, was a, he, he adamantly denied knowing the Lord three times, thus fulfilling the prophecy of Jesus. Jesus said, you're going to deny me before the rooster crows. You'll deny me three times. Did, did the rooster crow three times, or was it Peter denying three times? The answer is yes, it's recorded twice. He, he denied him three times. Don't worry, don't get hung up and say, well, one gospel says the rooster crowed three times. Okay, so roosters crow. FYI, just for the record. But as soon as he crowed the first time, Conviction fell on Peter. A rooster, a chicken, convicted Peter of his sins. Now, it wasn't just a chicken, right? It was the word of God because Jesus spoke into his life. But I want you to see, in the Bible, Jesus used chickens, donkeys, and many, and even a great fish. If he can use a chicken, donkey, and a great fish, can he possibly use you today, church, to do his glory, for his glory, that you might fulfill his will? Can he use you? Yes or no? Yes, he can. This is true from the word of God. So here's Peter. Peter comes and he's, he wrote later, if you look and see, Peter wrote and encouraged saints to keep on keeping on for Christ. This is not the Peter by the seashore here, right? What does Peter do? Look at First Peter. Go with me there, First Peter. I love reading from the Word of God. First Peter chapter 5. Peter's writing going, hey, i got to tell you something. One, he's motivated by the Holy Spirit, of course. He's, he's inspired by, the word of God, by, by God to write the Word of God. But Peter tells us for today. This is over 2,000 years old, this passage of Scripture. And Peter said, let me tell you something. Doesn't it sound like he's sitting in the pew right next to you? Doesn't it sound like he's whispering in your ear? And he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, men of God, moved by the Spirit of God, wrote the Word of God. And if anyone ever minimizes the Word of God, listen, step away from that person. Amen? This is God's Word. This is the authority that we have left here on earth to stand on. Because what if you got my opinion about everything? 
Does anybody know me closely enough? Who's been around me long enough to know that my opinion is different than yours? Yeah, listen, if you lived around me, you know, my brother and sister are right up front. Sister-in-law, nephew, right? People that go to our school, people that have been in church for a long time. You know we will disagree. But we'll disagree without being disagreeable. Isn't that true? Now, I might be disagreeable for a moment, but I'll come back and make it right. Because I, I, I'm, I'm right. Till I'm proven wrong. And so if I'm wrong, guess what I am? I was, I was born this way, and you ask my mother, I'm, I was born that I'm right till I'm proven wrong, and then I, if I'm proven wrong, guess what? I'll admit I was 100% wrong, and I'll switch. But the Word of God, listen, how we feel, I'm, I'm convicted. I'm, I'm somebody who, listen, I want to be on your team, and let's go win. Or you've been doing it wrong all this time. Well, what does the Word of God say? And then we, what do we do? We confront it with the Word of God. We change. Amen, watch this, watch what Peter, Peter warns us and kind of encourages us at the same time. Aren't you glad Peter went through his, all his stinking troubles? Because we benefit from his troubles. We get to say, what, terrible Peter, you denied Jesus, I've never done that. Terrible Peter, you, you did all these bad stuff. Restored Peter, we're so excited, and now we hear from Peter himself as he writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Peter wrote and encouraged the saints in this way. First Peter chapter 5, you there, say amen. My, now my Bible, this is my preaching Bible, but I still marked it up because I usually don't mark it in my preaching Bible because I want to keep preaching and I don't want to be led astray by my marks. But I want you to see this. Pick it up in chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, anybody, raise your hand if that's you. Not you, Adrian, that ain't you. Y'all ain't younger. Yes, we are. Listen, likewise, you younger people. So when you read the Bible, you say, he's talking to me. All right, so we won't lie in church today. How many of you are young or used to be young? Raise your hand. Who's he talking to? All of us, but some of us have moved on from younger, Adrian. <clears throat> Likewise, you younger people, what do you do? You submit yourself to the elders. How? Not being their slave, not letting them be master over you, but when an elder speaks, you should stop and listen. He's got something, he should have something to say from the word of God. Yes, all of you be submissive to whom? One another, how? And be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in, when? In due time. Who keeps a record of due time? Due time is God's time. Don't forget that. Due time is not when you want it, not when you order it, or even when you pray for it. You pray and ask God for it. But due time is God's time. Don't ever forget that. When is due time? Come on, church. When is due time? God's time. Watch this. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, what does he do? He walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, if we found out there was a lion, I said, oh, the local zoo calls. We were passing Town Creek Road, and there's a lion that, got escaped, that escaped from the truck. He's in y'all's parking lot. Anybody going to run out and see? Some of y'all are dumb enough to run out there and see. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. Let me get it on video. I'll, get this on, I'll put this on TikTok. I'll put it on YouTube at our church happened today. i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go upstairs and look out the window down. That way I know i got at least a floor. If somebody opens that bottom door, i got a door to run and lock. I've been around lions in, in Kenya, and I'm not going to go take a picture of a lion in the parking lot. But some of you are so curious, you've got to go out and stick your nose in and go and see what, what's happening. Where's that lion? 
And what's going to happen? You're going to possibly get devoured. That's why you are religiously as well. When Peter says, don't go do this because he's like a roaring lion seeking who may devour, some people, they want to go, let's just go and see, let's, let's sneak over to the, the fortune teller. Let's go see if she can tell our fortune, our future. Let's, let's go uh, play some tarot cards. Let's go mess around with a Ouija board. Let's just mess around and see because Christians mess around like that too. And listen, the Bible's clear. He's going to get you. Listen, that roaring lion's going to get you if you mess around with him. Don't mess around with him because James tells us, how do we get rid of him then? He says, turn to God and resist the devil. You don't resist him by speaking to him. If I spend all my time talking to Christian, I'm over here talking to Christian and we're having a conversation. I'm not speaking to anyone else. Don't give your attention to the devil. Don't bind the devil. How many church meetings have you been in where they bound Satan and throw him out the door? He's the spirit. He can't be bound. The Lord Jesus Christ has already spoken. He has the keys of the kingdom. He has all authority. You can't kick Satan out because Jesus is already here. And when Jesus is here, listen, the demons want to come around and mess around. But we want to claim in Jesus' name, we want to kick something out. We want to do it. And then we find out there's division in the church that very night. Somebody stole out of the offering plate that very day. Listen, evil is first and foremost in here when we're born. It's in our heart and mind. When we give our life to Christ, we're, we're made new, but we still have that wrong desires. So let me encourage you today, don't speak to the devil. Don't talk to him and don't tell him what to do. Don't waste your time. The Bible says draw near to God. Resist the devil. Turn your back to him. Call him a loser and walk on. Lord, I want to draw close to you because my sin, I want to, my nature is want to act like him. But Lord, I want to be like you because your word says I've been made new. And you go back and you refresh yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the word of God, and become more and more like Jesus. Don't spend time calling on Satan. Don't spend time on casting out Satan. Spend time on your Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, the Bible says when you draw near to God, resist the devil. He has to flee. Amen? That's the prescription. That's the formula in the Word of God if you want to be accurate. If I stand up and show you that I can do, I can actually speak to the devil and I speak to him and spend time speaking to demon, demon spirits, that's not what the Word of God commands me to do. Paul even later writes in Ephesians 6, listen, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil and therefore stand against him. How do you stand? You put on the belt of truth. You start with the word of God. This is truth. Jesus is truth. You stand with the belt of truth. Listen, go to the range of waist. I stand on his word, not on my authority in and of itself because mine's small authority until Jesus gives me the authority. I put on the gospel, the boots of the gospel. Listen, I go and share the word of God. I go into those dark places and I bring the light to the darkness. I put on the breastplate of righteousness because, not because I'm righteous, it's because I am made righteous under the blood of Jesus Christ. I put on the helmet of salvation not because I'm something special, it's because he saved me when I gave my heart and life to him. He says, come, and I came, and then when I did come, listen, he says, you're mine. Well, I take up the sword of the Spirit because that's the very Word of God again. And we take it and we go forward in Jesus' name with His Word. That's why the Word is so important. We stand with the shield of faith saying, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but listen, you said I'm an overcomer. You said your ways are not my ways. Lord, you said and you put this on my heart to pray this way, Lord, and I'm praying till you change my prayers or till you change my situation. Well, Peter's right here doing the very same thing. He's writing, saying, listen, he's trying to get you, the devil's trying to get you, but I want you to know there's one greater than him. Look what he says. Let's finish this, and we'll move on really quick. I'll give you the rest of the notes because we'll be here all day because 
Look what the Word of God says. That devil's walking around in verse 8. Verse 9 says, Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have all suffered a while, perfect you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. What's the word, church? Amen, because this is, yes, yes, that's true. He said it. Peter said, listen, I was tempted, I was led astray, and I'm telling you, he'll tear you down. He'll make you feel like you're a nobody. He'll make you feel like a loser. I was there. Resist him, because you've got to draw back to Jesus, because Jesus saved me, and he'll save you. Didn't Jesus save him? Because Jesus did not save Satan wants to take you away. He wants to sift you. He wants to do the same thing to you that he did to Judas. Judas didn't turn back to God. Judas decided to go his own way, and Judas killed himself. Suicide is never the way of God, ever the way of God. Well, look, let's go through your notes really quick. Forgiven. Jesus questioned Peter's love for him three times. Y'all, we read that last week. He restored and forgave him on the shores of the Sea of Tiberias or Galilee. Because it was the Sea of Galilee when he first called him. That's when he gave him the new name. That's when he called him to be a fisher of men. You can look at the scriptures on your own. He was forgiven. Focused. Watch this. this his way was focused. Jesus told Peter he would indeed die for Jesus and by his death glorify God. Peter understood what Jesus said, but his curiosity got the best of him. Anybody in the room like that? Don't nudge your spouse. Don't nudge your wife. You ever see blue lights and want to go just go see what's going on? Let's ride over there and look and see what's going on. I heard there's something going on. Let's go see. Red lights. Stay away. Get out of it. Don't let the curiosity get you. Curiosity got the best of him, and he wanted to know about John's future. Well, Lord, what about him? You just said, I'm going to make it to the end. I'm going to bring glory to my death. He understood he was going to be crucified because the Scripture tells us right there. He, they understood this. But what about him? And how many of us in the church are that way today? Man, we get into it when it comes to blessings or we come through the hard times. Lord, why did they go through that? I prayed that lately. Lord, why are those people going through that? I got a whole list of people that are acting badly in the kingdom. Give it to them. Give them the sickness. Bring them back around. Lord, let them, let them do something like that. That's how my mind thinks sometimes. But those who are working for the kingdom, and by the way, we don't know each other quietly, do we? So publicly, we can look one way. We can sing, shout, praise God. Probably might be living like the devil, and God knows all things. Aren't we glad that we're not God? Amen? But we serve him. So Peter's like this. His curiosity is like, Lord, what about John? <laughs> Lord's like, don't mind his business. If, he, if I want him to live forever, he will. Don't mind his business. You follow me. Look what he says. He, he tells him very clearly. He told him earlier to follow him right on the Sea of Galilee. I gave you those notes. Look at, look at the, when he tells him to feed his sheep. And then he tells him in verse 19, he said to him, follow me. And then Peter's like, I got it, I got it, I got it. What about John? And verse 22 Watch this. It sounds like a parent talking to a child. Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? What does he say to them? You follow me. Say it with me. You follow me. Take Peter's name out of that. Put your name in that position. And you put your name there. And when Jesus is pointing his finger at you today, in love, of course. He's not mad at you. I'm not preaching like I'm mad. I'm not mad either. I'm just preaching the word of God, but I want you to know he loves you today, and he's saying, you follow me. There's no other way. Lord, how? He'll show you the way. 
He never. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Everything we do today in this earth, listen, it's for the kingdom of God, for the king of kings. That's actually what we're called to do. Go make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them. That's our responsibility. And remember, he's always with us. And finally, follow. Jesus specifically called and commanded Peter to follow him at the Sea of Galilee. Peter was to stop fishing for fish and start fishing for people. We talked about that last week. John attested to the truthfulness of his gospel. He gave to the church a portion of God's holy word. Not all of it, because he only wrote a portion. But he wrote as he was moved by the Holy Spirit. And John wrote to encourage all saints regarding, regarding that many mighty ministry works. Might, excuse me, I'm trying to again. Many mighty works of our Lord Jesus Christ. And like saints of old, we serve, say it with me, church, an awesome God. An awesome God. Church, today, look at it. We have a responsibility. You can't sing the songs that we sang today. You can't be a part of the hearing of the word of God today and walk out of here going, I'm good with God. There should be some conviction that happens to your heart saying, Lord, I am that person that's doing nothing for the kingdom of God. Lord, I, I'm not, I don't have time, so help me make time. You say, what can I possibly do? Listen, just start with prayer. Lord, where do you want me to begin? But sit quietly. Give him some time to speak to you. Don't just go jump into something to do something. Don't just go clean up a spill and go, ah, I cleaned up a spill, therefore I'm finished. Me and God are good. Ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Just like Peter had a specific preaching assignment ahead of him. Peter stands up at Pentecost after this, and he preaches boldly. 3,000 people are saved. He preaches again. Over 5,000 are saved. He baptizes, and they're working. And then there's a squabble that happens in the church. There's a food fight that happens in the church in Acts chapter 6. A food fight. First thing in the fight that we have in the church is a food fight. And the widow's like, hey, those widows are getting more food than us. It was a race issue in the church. First church had a race issue. The Greeks and the Jews. Who's getting more food? We're all Christians, but let's divide down the middle. They're getting more than we're getting. And what did the disciples say? What does Peter say? We will not stop praying and preaching and seeking the Lord. Choose you seven men full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom. Let those men, church, you know who they are. Let those men make decisions. Let those men serve the church. And that's how we have deacons today. That's why the deacons come from as servants of the church. Because there was a need that arose from the sinfulness of the saints. Yes, they were saved like you and I are saved today, but they had that sin nature still in their fighting and pushing against. The Bible says the spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh wars against the spirit. Read in Galatians 5 and 6 for yourself. We have this troubling time that we live in, right? Soon it will be over because the Lord Jesus is coming or we're going to see him either way. If you belong to him, of course. Have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? If you died right here, right now, would you know that you're going to heaven? I do. I can tell you, listen, let me die today. I hope you come to my funeral. If you don't, watch it live. We'll live stream it. They're going to put toothpicks in my eyes, and I'm going to hold a sign saying, I told you I was sick. I told my wife, that's what I want. You ever walk past the casket and say, hey, doesn't he look so good? You ever heard people say that? I was a preacher's kid. Like, what is wrong with these people? They don't look anything like themselves. They don't. That's why I said I'm going to have my eyes sewed open or toothpicked open. So when you look in the cast, you, you, you'll get away quickly. You won't, you won't lie to the, to the Lord or the people around you. Listen, we have this life, one to live. Let's live it for Jesus today, right? Let's go past failures, 
Let's move on because we've all failed. Peter shows us a great example. You haven't denied Jesus to, him, to his face or watched him be crucified. We, know, we read it as fact. But let's also understand that forgiveness is free. And we can receive it anytime we, the Holy Spirit comes to us and says, be forgiven. And you're like, but Lord, I've got all these failures and I've got all these sins. That's what he died for, to take those away. Receive forgiveness. And if you have been forgiven, listen, he died one time. You must be saved one time. Walk in your forgiveness. Walk in that freedom of grace that we have that we can say, listen, I am set free forevermore. When we sing, it's more joyful. Christians make a joyful noise, even if you're not out loud, if it's quiet, you're, you're happy. Let's, let's get focused today. The church of God, listen, no matter where revival, revival starts where. Take your finger and point to me where revival starts. Revival starts right here with me. So let's get focused on the task at hand. Get you right with God, and then you can go be a witness for Jesus Christ. We love God first. We love others as we love ourselves. This is what Jesus says is the first and second greatest commands of God. Do it. Get focused on what he says to do. And listen, none of us can get exempt from the last one. When Jesus said, you follow me, you must go where he calls you because you've already lied to him this morning and said you'll go wherever he says, right? Or you promised him. Either you lied to him or you promised him today. What'd you do? Then you better watch out. Here he comes. Some of you are going to be leaving our church right away. Some of you are going to be answering a call to ministry. Some of you are going to go on the mission field. Some of you are going to actually be in the workplace. And you're going to do exactly what he says to do because you made a promise to him. Lord, I'm going. That's why it's dangerous to sing songs in church. Don't sing them on the radio. Don't sing them unless you mean it. And when you mean it, he's always going to grow you up and move you out. That's why I love seeing empty space in the church. A lot of preachers want to see the church full, packed out. I want, I'd love to see that. But I expect you, I've told most of you, I expect you to be here three years and then get out. Why? You need to go start a church. We need to plant a church with you as a speaker, as the preacher. We need to send you off on a mission somewhere. Not all of us. Now, if you've been here longer than three years, God bless you. Keep on staying here, right? Don't go until God calls you. But if he calls you to go be that evangelist, if he calls you to be that missionary, if he calls you to be that minister, listen, go do it. Go when he says to go. And listen, you'll be the happiest. You'll have joy more than you've ever had in your life because you've been obedient to the Lord. You follow me, says the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you so much. We don't fully understand, Lord, the call of God. But Lord, it's so awesome and rewarding when we are obedient and doing exactly what you say to do when you say to do it. Lord, it hurts when we lose friendships or we have to move even zip codes. Lord, it's painful. Or if you call us to another church, we miss each other. We love each other that much. But, Lord, we know that we have a short time here on earth, but we have all of eternity to celebrate around the throne of God. We love you, Lord, and just want to be obedient today. Help us to listen to you. Help us to obey you. And, Lord, help us to trust you today because you're worthy. You're worthy. In Jesus' name we pray.